Maybe I'm just getting fired up. God had a plan A, right? And what happened with plan A? What happened? No. Satan blew it up. Satan, who was designed to serve humanity, said, I don't want to serve humanity. I want to rule over humanity. I want to be the main influence over humanity. And God's like, "Uh uh-oh. So he reminds Satan, you want to have the influence over humanity. Now you can share in the curse of humanity. But now God's got to figure out, what am I going to do? I don't want to destroy everything. I've got to figure out a way to help so I can help the people. And so what he decides is, he decides to go to plan B, which is what? I'm going to take on humanity's curse. I'm going to come into humanity's reality and I'm going to break the curse for them. And he makes a promise, right? And the promise was, I'm going to set separation from your people and God's people. And remember, he starts giving the seeds of Christ coming into the world. And he does it through the promise of Abraham. And then he sets up the Ten Commandments. He sets up rules because when people don't have the right heart before God, they need rules, right? We, a world needs rules when they don't want God to lead their life. But then he went from plan A to plan B to the real plan A, which is that through Christ, he was going to create a new humanity. Through Christ, he was going to bring all of humanity back to him and break the curse. And so what we see is that Jesus shared in my humanity, Jesus shared in my curse so I could share in his, what? Sonship. So it's about a relationship. So it's about taking God's story, what God did, and making it my story. Do you see that? I'm taking what God has done, I'm taking His story, and I'm making it my story because now it's a part of my story. Wow, God's taking on my curse, everything that I struggle with, and He's breaking it for me. But now I'm kind of living in two places, right? I'm living in earth and in heaven kind of at the same time, but ultimately I will be in heaven. It's kind of like we're embryos now being developed and we will be born again when? At the resurrection, right? So it's kind of like being in two places. I'm struggling with the curse now, but the curse is different than what it was. And then God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to break our curse and to make everything new. Look, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's about relationships. It's about learning what it means to love. It's about understanding the new covenants in that regard. And I wanted to read this because in sharing last week about the idea of judgment, somebody says, yeah, but what about good works? And good works is important and good works is necessary. Good works of acts of love. But I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul's writing... By the grace of God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. 
For no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. Talking about judgment day. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be what? Saved. But only as one escaping through the flame. And, and so Paul is saying, look, there's people who preach Christ in the right way. There's people who preach Christ in the wrong way. The best thing is, the best thing is that God, Jesus is being preached. He says that some of our works just didn't work out the way we wanted to. We're still going to be saved even though we didn't do things perfectly. See what I'm saying? And so that's like, it's, it's completely a new covenant now. It was the old covenant before, which is, you know, we talked about that last week. Now it's the new covenant. God and I are okay. The real question now is, what does love require of me? And so... We looked at this whole concept, and this is what it's been getting. That God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to break our curse to make everything what? New. So that we could be with him, right? And we talked about the curse, and we, we've been looking at the, the different curses, right? We've been looking at death, how it's different for us now. Now we can control the sinful nature. Now, as far as we can weaken it now, and then it will ultimately be destroyed. Suffering and hardship. It's different now. When I suffer now, I don't think, God, why do you hate me so much? I realize it's a part of the fall. It may even be part of my own problem, but God's trying to help me through the suffering. Judgment is now welcome. Right? God, please make everything right. Take my judgment. Ultimately, on the day of judgment, it will be avoided because Jesus took it on for me. Right? And so this is, anybody, you know, struggle with this stuff? Everybody, right? Now we can share our story that has now become a part of God's story with the people around us. Now we have a different conversation other than, you want to go to church? Now I've been there, done that. Okay, I got nothing else to talk about. Good luck. And I thought about it, you saw in the Mets, right, when they had the thing about stand up for cancer? Stand up to cancer? And I'm thinking, man, if I had cancer, the reality is I hope I can beat it. But ultimately, cancer is just a side, side part of death, isn't it? I can't beat death. And if you stand up to cancer, the drugs may do it all and all that stuff, and that may help, and God helps you to live a little longer life. But ultimately, the real problem is not cancer. It's what? Physical death. God says, I've taken care of that for you. Well, how much does it cost me? Nothing. It's a gift. It's like, but I don't deserve the gift. gift. Exactly. But how about if I earn the gift now? You can't earn it. You can't. You ought to strive, and we're going to be talking about that. You don't strive to earn it. You strive to live a life of thanksgiving for it. It's like your own children. If you really love your children, they don't have to earn your love. You want them to act mature for their own benefit, right? Isn't that the case? 
I just, I, you know, I, I thought about yesterday and I thought about coming home to my son and my son who's been going through a really hard time. He says, Dad, I know I've made your life miserable for the last year or so and I know I have not been what I need to be. I'm telling you what. I'm going to stop this and I'm going to stop that and I'm just going to, I'm going to work and I'm going to show you a life of thanksgiving. And I thought, I can't wait for that day to happen. <laughs> I envisioned that day. See the difference? You want it to be a, an expression of thanksgiving. That's what makes it the new covenant. It's out of thanksgiving. The old covenant was, are we okay? Uh, you know. The new covenant is what does love require of me? And the last curse that we're just going to talk real briefly on is because we're under a curse, we can't see God. They could see Him in the garden, but we can't because of the curse. Where do, in general, where do most people get their view of God in general? From their parents. Yes. Where else? From the Bible. Where else? Hollywood. TV. Right? No, no. Really. Creation. Right? Here's the problem with all of those. They're all imperfect. If I looked at creation, and it's raining, or it's a bad storm, I think God is what? Angry. Matter of fact, being raised, my mom, my mom used to say when there was thunder and lightning, that was God beating his wife. I'm surprised I made it the way I am now. Right? Or God was bowling. Okay? Creation just tells us God exists, but it really doesn't help us to know who he is. Right? The Bible. The Bible, people, a lot of people get their view of God from the Bible, but the problem is if I look at it from the Old Testament... Just the Old Testament, I think God just, he's just out to get people. Right? But then he became a Christian in the New Testament. <laughs> parents, right? If you have good parents, you have a good view of God. But what if you have bad parents? You have what? A bad view of God. I don't know how many times, and you've, you've talked to people, my parents didn't love me, so it's hard for me to know the love of who? God. And that's true. If we're looking to our parents for the view of God. Churches. If you were raised in a good church, what's your view of God? Oh man, God is good. If you were raised in a bad church, in a judgmental, non-loving church, what's your view of God? Eh, doesn't care, hates me, just tells me everything I'm doing wrong. I'll never forget that day with my son Nick. I just... I have, you know, you have a bad day and your kid just gets you the wrong way, so you list everything they've done wrong that day. And one day my son looked at me and said, Dad, not even God remembers all my sins. <laughs> Whoa, he was right. He was right. But see, all of our view of God is cloudy until Jesus Christ. What did Jesus tell Thomas? During the Lord's, during uh, the uh, Passover meal. Remember? In John chapter 14. He says, Thomas says, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And he says, don't you remember 
Is it Thomas? No, it's Philip. Don't you remember? If you've seen me, you've seen what? You've seen the Father. The only one to give us a clear view of what God and who God is like is who? Jesus. Can your guilty conscience give you a clear view of God? No. Can you struggle with the sinful nature give you a clear view of God? No. Only Christ, what He's done for us, the death, burial, and resurrection, can give us a clear view of God. If I take my glasses off, I'm as blind as a bat. You're all blurs right now. And to the world, that's God right there. And really, when they're talking about God, they're sounding more like they're talking about who? Satan than God. Because they don't see God clearly. Only in Christ, when you put those glasses on, like, oh, this is what God's like. Wow, it's going to take getting used to. Yep. That's why we remember what he's done for us every day. To remind us. Because Satan is out to distort our view of God. Jesus says, let me tell you what God is really, really like. And so, under the new, under the new covenant, with the death, burial, and resurrection, I know it's going to take because I know I just... I can now see God clearly in Jesus. And one day I will see God, what? Face to face. Death, bed, and resurrection has helped me to deal with my curse. God wants you to understand what the death, bed, and resurrection means for you and how He's helped you deal with your curse. He's paid the price. He's done everything that needs to be done to get you to Him. Remember, God says, my promise to you is I will bring you to me. Not you will earn your way to me. I will bring you to me as a gift. Now just learn to live a life of thanksgiving. He is the cure for my curse in that regard. Does that make sense? Thoughts, comments? How many thinks it takes a lifetime to figure this out? Don't feel bad. I don't get it. That's okay. Keep following Jesus. I don't understand. Keep following Jesus. But I'm not a Christian. I'll just start following Jesus. Start seeking Him. Read the red letters. Right? I want to make two brief announcements. One is, if you have an opportunity, this Thursday, I think, um, Christian Family Services is having a benefit dinner. I think they got a really good speaker this year coming. Uh, you can laugh. They got a really good speaker. He's big. He's big. He's going to be sharing. Tony's going to be doing a good job in that. And I want to remind everybody, if you can come, that would be great. Next week, uh, we start a new series called In the Meantime. And the focal point of In the Meantime is we're going to look at the situation. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? What do you do when you're in a situation and it's not going to change. Or God tells you no to your prayer request. It's not going to change. You don't like the situation. And there's, you know, there's a lot of fear and suffering involved. Okay? What do you do when there's nothing you can do? You go to work. You get laid off. What am I going to do? You're getting older. The body starts aching. What am I going to do? 
you made some life mistakes and now you're in a bad situation. God, what am I going to do? What do you do when there's nothing you can do? What do you do in the meantime? We're going to talk about all that it focuses on. But this is, it's in our meantime that we're the most challenged, right? It's in the meantime when God says, you're going to go through this suffering. And you're like, what? Wait a minute, I've been good. I've done everything I was supposed to do. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? What do you do in the meantime? And the, yeah, and resist the devil. But the thing is, I asked God to fix this, and he didn't fix it. Now what do I do? I've been a good person, and now I'm getting divorced. What the heck? What do you do when there's nothing you do? I'm a good employee, and I got laid off. When they should have laid him off, right? What do you do when there's nothing you can do? God, I went to the doctor and they said I have cancer. I'm like, what? I've done everything I'm supposed to do. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? But the flip side of that, there are many people who have done so many bad things. They're in a situation. They can't get out of it. And they'll never get out of it. I had the affair and now my family's all torn apart. What do you do? I want to come back to God. But God, what do I do when there's nothing you can do? What do you do when you're so much in debt? You'll never get out. I don't know if you've ever had the experience when you talk to a brother or sister and they tell you their story and there you're like, I can't help you. I, I don't know what to tell you. And I know many of the elders are sitting here going like, yeah, I know. Right? What do you do when there's nothing you can do? What do you do in the meantime? That's what we're going to talk about for another seven weeks. Does that sound good to you? Now, one of the things we're going to do different in this class is after worship in the um, fellowship hall where the tables are set up, if you have questions, you're like, Mark, I didn't get a chance to ask questions in the class, but you can sit and have coffee. We're going to have coffee back there. You can come on in, sit, and we can just talk and ask questions. Does that make sense? So after worship... After five minutes of fellowshipping a little bit, I will be there. And if you guys want to come in there and you're like, man, let them keep my kids a little longer. I have some questions. <laughs> okay? We will do that then. Does that make sense? So, here's the interesting point now as we wrap up this class. And that is, we now have the cure, right? Right? We have the cure. If you had the cure for cancer, let's say somebody got in the laboratory and they were looking through the microscope, whatever, and they go, this is it. This will cure all cancer in the world. Is the cure enough? What else still needs to take place? Application. Kind of like, how do I get it to everybody? How do I get it to everybody and who's going to do it? Right? Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Verse 6. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord... Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and the cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back to you the same way you have seen him go in to heaven. I went to the Hallmark bookstore and I see cards for Thanksgiving. I see cards for Christmas. I see cards for Easter. I see no cards for the Ascension. But without the Ascension, the cure would not be made available to everybody. Right? How would you like to have a big meal, a big dinner, and nobody show up? What good would it be to have a piece of dynamite with no fuse? It is the ascension that took the gifts of the resurrection and expanded it to everyone. You see? Because without the ascension, if you wanted to talk to Jesus, where would you have to go? Where he is, right? You'd have to go there. And if, uh, it's really interesting. The disciples were looking up in the sky. They were like, bye. See you later. I'm sure going to miss that guy. Well, I wonder what we're going to do now. And the angels came by and says, guys, stop looking up. This is not the end. It's the beginning. And in Luke, the same story, Luke says that they went back to Jerusalem rejoicing. They're like, Oh, God's about ready to do something good. God's about ready to make it available to everyone at every time, in every situation. So what benefits do we get from the ascension? What benefits do you get from the ascension? Doesn't matter where you're at. See, I was raised Catholic, and so... When my dad died, I remember a couple of days later, I went to the church in, in Queens, to the Catholic church, because I needed to talk to God. And this is the first time it happened. I go to the church building, and I God, they won't let me in. <laughs> now, you laugh, but I was like, i got to talk to you, God. Right? Now, wherever you're at, you can talk to him, because now he's everywhere. Right? The cure is everywhere. You can talk to him. You don't have to wait to come to church to talk to the elders. You can talk to God. You can talk to Christ. He's God's right hand. Right? Wherever situation you're at, whatever circumstance you're in, you can talk to him. Through Jesus. Jesus made that possible. Even though God was already interacting with us because we live and move and have our being in him. Right? But he made that possible. Everywhere, every time. Remember when your kids come up and go, Dad, i got to tell you something, but don't tell God, please. <laughs> okay. I won't tell. God already knows. Okay. What is the other benefit? We can now pray to God in everywhere and every situation. Yes. There you go. It's a gift. Can't earn it. It's a gift. 
And it's learning to be thankful for that, what? That gift. That's what our Christian walk is all about. Learning to be thankful for what we have, not for what we don't have in the gift of the resurrection. Death, burn, resurrection. Huh? But there's a difference between earning. Let me give you an example, because you bring up a good point. Here it is. If I came up to somebody and I said, I got a gift card from Target, and I wanted to give it to you as a gift. And you go, I can't take that gift. No, no, please, take, take the gift. It's $100. It's, it's okay. I tell you what, how about if I give you $75 for it? No, it's a gift. Just, just take the gift. Look, how about if I give you $50 for it? No, come on, it's a gift. You don't give me anything. It's a gift. How about if I give you $25 for it? Okay, here, I'll take $25. You take the gift card. Now it's not a gift, it's a discount card. <laughs> right? Romans 4. That's exactly what Paul says. He says, it is not of work so that no man can what? Boast. It is of works, but it's works of love. Not to earn, but to reflect. And we're going to look at that more in a moment. But the reality is without the ascension, we would not have had the opportunity for Jesus to be with us everywhere. What else is the benefit? Yes. Yes. We just looked at that in 1 Corinthians, did we not? This guy did works. He didn't use the best stuff. He didn't use the right stuff, but he still was saved, even though it was a challenge. It's When you get out of earning to a relationship, it changes everything, doesn't it? It changes everything. Now, it's hard to see because we're so... Our relationships are so imperfect, but if you think of the ideal relationship, if you think about your own children... Or your own nephew and niece, and they go, I tried really hard today, and I I messed up today, and I know I'm no longer your child. No, you're still my child. But if you don't act mature, who suffers? You do. Right? So God says, what does love require? Be mature. Make wise choices. Learn from who? Jesus. Right? Learn from Him. That's the other point of the ascension. Now, not only can I pray to Jesus, he can lead my life. He can be driving the bus, driving the car. And sometimes we like, gee, God, what should I do? You know, let me pray about it. Let me get, seek advice. Okay, I'll start doing this. No, that didn't work out. Let me try this. Let me try that. Jesus, you know, help me. The problem is sometimes we go, Jesus, can I drive and you just sit to the side? Is that okay? And Jesus, sure, try it. And then what happens? We mess up. Well, I tried here. You get over there. Cause <laughs> hey, can I sit in the back seat? No, 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 no. You're in the front seat with me. We're watching what's going on together. It's a relationship. Anybody had to earn their relationship? It been in those, in those relationships where you felt like you had to earn it? How terrible was that? But you also know relationships. You don't have to earn it, but we do need to be mature and be thankful in that regard. So because of the ascension, the cure is for everybody. It's everywhere. Jesus can lead my life. And now I can see things more clearly because of the ascension. Now, the next thing is how do you get it to everybody? 
How are we to get the cure to every human being? We know. Share your story. Share God's story that has now become what? Your story. You've got to start talking to people. Living the right life is important, but you know what's amazing is? Christianity still is growing even though we're imperfect. Even though the church has been imperfect throughout the centuries, right? Isn't that incredible? That's one of the great testimonies of the, of the church. It's still growing even though we're imperfect. Because it's not about us, it's about who? Jesus, God, what God's doing through Christ. And so it's our message, our story, that has now become God's story. Look at Matthew chapter 28. The book of Matthew chapter 28. The Great Commission. Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but somewhat. Can you have faith and doubt in your heart at the same time? Yeah. Does that mean I'm going to hell? No, that means you just got to keep following Jesus. Right? Then Jesus came to him and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Yep. If I saw somebody die and get raised from the dead, you're the man. And I've always said, if you ever see anyone die and you see him get raised from the dead, follow him. Or her. I don't care. It doesn't matter. They saw this. And when, so when he said, all authority, he says, you're right, all authority. Notice, not just on earth, but where? In heaven, because there was some cleaning up to do in heaven, too. Read the book of Revelation, right? Jesus' death was not just for humanity's salvation, but it was to fix everything that Satan had infected. The cure was to cure everything. All authority in heaven and earth has been given me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And when Jesus said, teach them everything I commanded you, what did Jesus command them during the Lord's Supper? A new commandment I give you. Love. One another as what? Right. Not uh, love one another as the church has loved you. Not love one another as your parents have loved you. Not love one another as, you know, your friends have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. So for them to do that, they got to tell you how Jesus loved. Right? There you go. And let me tell you, if Jesus died for you, that means God is for you. And you're like, that's hard to believe. That's right. That's why you keep reminding yourself and focusing on it. 
But the cure is to share our story. Now, I've kind of got a vivid imagination. And Jesus told them to do what? Go into all the what? World. So, I want you to imagine now it's about seven years later. The disciples, they're, I mean, they're, they're converting people in Jerusalem, Judea, and every place. And I just imagine sometimes God going, Hey, Jesus, son, come here. Come here, come here, come here. Look down there. Look at the, the disciples. Look at your people. They're not moving. They're just kind of sitting right there in Jerusalem and Judea. Didn't you tell them to go in all the world? Yeah, I know, but I don't know. I don't know why they're not moving. God says, you know, i got to tell you, I know you picked these fishermen, but I think you need somebody different. I think you need a real educated leader. Someone who's got world experience. Someone who's got a passion. Someone who's going to do the job and nothing's going to stop them. Jesus goes, yeah, you're right, Dad. What do you think? He says, i got the perfect guy for you right there. Him? Yeah, him. You gotta be kidding me. Saul? He's relentless. He's killing my people. He's murdering my children. There's nothing that's gonna stop this guy. He goes, exactly, go get him. Isn't that what he did? Hey, you're not work for me now. And he appeared to Paul. What do you think that was like? That that experience when Paul was sitting in the darkness for three days waiting for Ananias. And remember, a guy went to Ananias, Jesus went to Ananias and said, I want you to go help him. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. This guy, there's no, he's not even, he says, I'll take care of him. Go get him. Share the story with him. And then he goes to Antioch and then for three years he's kind of on his own. What do you think was going through his mind those times when, after his conversion? Why me? I'm nobody. Look what I, I'm a murderer. I can never go to Jerusalem ever again and look Stephen's family in the eyes. Have you ever thought you were doing the right thing for God and then in your relationship with Jesus you realized it was wrong? And you sat there and like, I am unworthy of this gift. And God goes, Jesus says, you're right, but it's a gift. It's for you. You know, Paul begins his journey. He says, I am the least of the apostles, right? Then later on he says, I'm the least of all of God's people. And when he's in Rome, he's getting ready to die. He says, I'm the chief of what? See, he took that title. You can't. Sorry. Right? I thought you would, you know, feel better about your relationship with God the older you get. He just realized the power and the challenge of the curse. And that he was just so grateful for the blessing and the gift. Right? In that regard. Look at you when in Genesis, uh, Galatians, I'm sorry, chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. 
he writes, because something happened. After the Gentiles started becoming Christians, the Jewish Christians said, oh, well, obviously, now that you're a Christian, you have to become a Jew too. Because doesn't that make sense? Salvation's from who? The Jews. So you need to be circumcised, which I'm glad they resolved that issue before I became a Christian. And, and it was understandable that the, that the Jewish Christians felt that way. But they were like, hey, now you need to follow the, the laws and you need to follow everything else. And uh, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5 in verse 6. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. He says the only thing, you cannot mix the old with the new. The only thing that counts is works expressing itself in love. Because when James wrote that, he was upset because people in the church were Praising the rich and ignoring the poor. And he says, your works is not works of love. Stop it. Let your works be works of love. And then he even goes on in chapter 6. Same Galatians chapter 6 verse 13. He says, those who want to make a good impression outwardly, verse 12, those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law. Yet, they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. Man, never boast except about the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. God through Christ is making everything new. That's what counts. And it's like, and even Paul got to the point and says, you know, hey, if you want to go through the route of circumcision, just go all the way. So sometimes it is rated R, the book, right? He says, just, just cut it all off. And he says, the two things, faith expressing itself in love. What does love require of me because now I'm okay? And it's all about the new creation. God making everything new. The new humanity. And what God is doing. And taking your story and coming into God's story of what he's doing through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then once you're sharing in his sonship, sonship as he shared in our humanity, now that Jesus is everywhere... He can lead my life. I can pray to him. He can help me deal with the curse until he finally removes the curse at my own resurrection. Does that make sense? Very simple, but extremely complicated. It's both at the same time. But that's what this is all about. Thoughts, comments. Why do you think we have a hard time sharing our faith? Why? 
Why do you and I have a hard time sharing our faith? Fear that I'm going to say something wrong. Or I might not say it right. Or it's all dependent on who? It's not. You know? It's not. Well, I'm not living a perfect life. Remember the woman at the well? She shared the, you know, about Jesus. Now we don't believe just because you now we've seen him for ourselves. And she did not have a perfect life. And imagine Paul, when he first got up talking about the love of Christ, he goes, love of Christ, you're a murderer. Okay? And here's the last point, which I think is really interesting. At the end, when Paul finally goes to Jerusalem and meets the apostles, he says this, he says, I tell you what, I got a plan. And then the apostles are like, you got a plan? Yeah, I got a plan where we can take on the whole world. He says, okay, he says, you guys take this area, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and I'll take the rest of the world. How's that? And the apostle's like, take it, man. It's all yours. And he did it, right? He did it. And he didn't do it. He did it by just sharing his story. And inside God's story. And I think we're more concerned about how they'll react to us, right? Than sharing the story. Or... Come to church even though I really don't even like to be there. Right? That's what a lot of people think. Because we've gone away from the story of the death, burial, and resurrection to more for this is how you can make heaven out of earth. This is how you can get the best out of this life. This is how you can be perfect. It's never been about our story. It's been about God's story and my story within God's story. And I've always said this. I think we got it backwards. People come to church. How are you? Fine. Everything going good? Perfect. Everything's great. Life is good. We go home and we're just terrible. We're ourselves at home, right? We need to be ourselves here. We need to be honest. How was your week? It sucked. I'm so glad the kids are in Bible school because I was about ready to kill my kid. I need help. Come on in. This is for you, man. Come on. Man, my wife and I would just add it. Oh, this is for you. Come on in. This is what church is, right? It's for you. Come on in. Man, I'm about ready to give it to my boss. I'm about ready to quit. Come on in. This is what it's for. Let's talk. Let's talk about how God's story is impacting our story. Let's talk about it. When we go home, we should drive up, park the car, and go, God, help me to be the best person I can be in the house. To be loving, kind to my kids, to put my wife first and talk to my kids to share. See what I mean? We got it backwards. We're more ourselves at home, right? That's just the way I am. Come to church with all your stuff. And let's see how God, that's what fellowship is all about. Right? So I think sometimes we got it backwards. Let's share our story. That's why we assemble together, right? We assemble as a community to share our story and what God has done. Well, I don't know if I believe it. Hang in there. Keep focusing on who? The church? Me? No. Focus on who? The one who sits at the right hand of God. He's got all authority and power. And he's walking us through it. Well, what's going to happen to me in the next ten years? I don't know. Well, God, if you explain to me the next ten years, then I can, you know. It's not about, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Is it not? Well, the journey may lead to my own death. Yeah. 
I may die for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. Why isn't this happening to me and this happening? I don't know. God's trying to make everything what? New. And he starts it here and he ends it there. It's a journey. But, Mark, you don't understand this. Sometimes, I, I mean, I wish I had a time machine. And we've got to wrap it up. Wish I had a time machine. I always wished about going back to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. I would have stopped it. And I'm so glad I didn't. Right? <laughs> Anybody like watching The Flash? I mean, you say, okay. There was a scene where the Flash went back in time to save his mom. He's about ready to save his mom. And another Flash came in from the future and says, no, this is not, you won't become who you need to be if you do this. In a sense of we would not have salvation if I went back in time and say and stopped the death, burial, and resurrection. Because I loved him. But I would go back to the Apostle Paul when he's sitting in prison the second time. And he's sitting there, he's thinking, I am the chief of sinners. He's sitting there thinking, I wrote these letters. I don't even know if anybody read them. He's sitting there going through all these doubts and fears. He thought Jesus was going to come back, and he's not. He's about ready to be executed. He's thinking, is it worth it? He's having a meantime moment because he doesn't like where he's at. It's not going to change any time soon. And he's just, he, he thinks, was it all worth it? Does God even really care? And I would tell him the same things I'm going to tell you in the next seven weeks. Because that's what we're going to be talking about. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? You don't like it. It's not going to change anytime soon. And you think, God, where are you? Why did you tell me no? Why did you let me go through this suffering? Why did you permit this? And that's what we're going to talk about next week. But in the meantime, you have Christ. To walk with you throughout this week, today, this week, this month, this year, for the rest of your life. Because if you're in Him, you share in His heavenly sonship as He shared in your humanity. You're, you're in two worlds in that regard. Make sense? Let's pray.